Welcome to the Cloud Native Wales Minimum Viable Podcast. Uh, this is our first attempt at doing this. I think the idea has been with us now for about a whole five hours. So I'd like to introduce, first of all, the co-founder of Cloud Native Wales, Salman Iqbal. Hi. Minimum Viable Podcast. That's a minimum viable introduction, to be honest, mate, with hi. <laughs> but hey, that, that's a start. That's how we all keep going. And as well, with us today... From another meetup on the well, same side of Cardiff, but it's Dan. So, hi, Dan. Hello. <laughs> so, Dan's part of a Rust and C meetup in Cardiff, but he's been with us with Cloud Native Wales since day one, and this was his idea this morning. So, uh, Dan, we jumped on a call and we we're talking about some remote working, and then all of a sudden you just came up with this idea. Yeah, I've had it for a while, but I, I wasn't sure. Um, where to do it. And as I know most about Cloud Native, even if I'm in a different uh, meetup, I thought this is the one. This is the one I can at least pretend I know what I'm talking about. All meetups are kind of the same anyway once they get there. And so it's like, we're, we're all happy. We we have a meetup of meetups as well in, in uh, Wales where we try to discuss and we try to collaborate. So I guess this is yet another collaboration that we got going on. What we're interested in doing with this is that we want to try to move out of Cardiff. I've mentioned Cardiff quite a few times in Wales. And this was one tool that we thought that we could do to be able to share this, um, to share some stories coming out. And that's what we really want to bring. We want to bring stories. We want uh, people to tell what they've been up to, um, experiences that they've had, because that's what we like with our meetup at the end of the day. If you haven't come to a Cloud Native Wales meetup, we like to think of ourselves as kind of like an independent record label of meetups where we only play what we like. And we've had some great success and we've built up quite a strong community. But it's always been our plan to get further out. And so hopefully we can welcome you to our community via this podcast today. So as well as that, we also want to bring people together. We found some amazing people. So we've got a developer who's based on a farm in Carmarthen, who's been given <laughs> setting up networks around farms for all his neighbors. Uh, we've also got someone working on the Human Genome Project who's based in Brecon. So there'll be some interesting stories there. So if you do have any interesting points, then please feel free to reach out to us. We'll add some links, I don't know, in the show notes when we find out where our show notes are, but we'll put some links in there if you want to collaborate to us. But you can find us on Twitter. That's probably the best place. So I'm Lewis Denham Parry. Uh, my name is Denham Parry on Twitter. That's my handle. If you search for that, there's not many of us around, so you can find me quite easily on Google. Would anyone else like to give a plug as to where they can find you? Yeah, uh, you can find me on internet as uh, on Twitter, uh, at Solman Iqbal, uh, S-U-L-U-L-M-A-N-I-Q-B-A-L. Uh, that's me. Or you can also drop a message to Cloud Native Wales Twitter, see Cloud Native W-A-L. Character limits. Don't you love them? Absolutely. And I guess you can find me at Plod TV on Twitter and either at Plod or at Plod TV pretty much everywhere. I own Plod.tv at the URL. Um, and just to echo the sentiment that Lewis was just expressing, I'd just like to say, if your story you, you think is too small for us, we really want to hear your story, no matter how big or small it is. Uh, wherever you are in Wales, we're, we're a bit tired of it being all kind of city centre centric. I'd like to hear about things out in the sticks. And well, we've we've went a little bit further with our guest today, but we'll get on to him in a moment. So yeah, to further Dan's point, we're really interested in people around Wales. And it, you might not be based in Wales anymore, but you'll just be able to share your stories. Again, these are we want to share inspiring stories to help people be able to progress with their careers, or if it's just a hobby, we're just really interested for that. Ideally, again, with our meetup, what we would really like is to hear stories from people, not sales pitches as well. Is that kind of a meta sales pitch in itself to say no sales pitches anyway? But saying that as well, but we are interested in companies. If you're solving problems, if you're solving these difficult problems and you'd like to share them, then please feel free to reach out to us. Again, as we've been doing this for a whole five hours, 
our headline sponsor today is devwales.com. So devwales.com is a place to go to be able to find uh, meetup groups, uh, companies, speakers, and jobs in the area. It's run by a friend of ours, uh, Cy Anthony. It's a one-man band. He's nothing else, but there's no hidden agenda on this other than he wants to add to the community. And that's definitely what he's doing. So wherever you are, if you're running a meetup, if you're interested in going to, if you're looking for a job or any companies that you could work for in the area, definitely have a look at devwales.com. So to that, I think it's time to show our guest. I don't think we've mentioned who our guest is so far. And he's been a huge part to creating Cloud Native Wales. Now, when Cloud Native Wales got started, it was essentially Salman and I, we were working together in a bank and we had to go off to uh, London town. It's just a bit east of, uh, you just go through a tunnel and then you stay on the train for about an hour and a half and you end up in this little place called London Town. But there's a meetup there called Kubernetes London. So we were going there monthly to try and learn, become part of this community. And it was done so well and it was such a welcoming community. We wanted to bring it back home so that for the people who couldn't necessarily get there, whether it be commitments, whether it be financially, we wanted to establish something in Wales, hence where Cloud Native Wales got started. Salman, do you want to say who, how we met in KubeCon, how we met uh, our guest today at KubeCon? Yeah, absolutely. So um, what happened was we announced on Twitter first that we will be doing our meetup. And then somebody uh, reached out with a, you know, with a the name that I've never seen before. I can't really pronounce it. I'm not going to try and pronounce it. Pedrazas. So, you know, this this person was like, oh, best of luck for your meetup. And, you know, he gave us some really, really useful tips. This is what you need to do in terms of, you know, because we were quite nervous the first meetup. And, you know, he just reached out. He just reached out and said, look, you know, best of luck. There's a few things you need to consider. So anyway, you know, it went well. He gave us some actionable tips. It was great. But we never really got to meet each other, even though we went to Kubernetes London. But, you know, it's a massive place. Ivan is a busy person, and he's always mobbed by these photographers. So, you know, we didn't really get a chance to meet him. But we we were in KubeCon and uh, Barcelona. Is that correct? Uh, it was Copenhagen. Copenhagen, that's yeah. it. KubeCon, Copenhagen. That's Barcelona it, you know, is my one. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yvonne's nodding. And, uh, you know, we said we are going to meet up. And Lewis messaged him saying, where are you? He said, yeah, I'm at the Google, uh, Google booth. So we went out there. But there's this guy having a go at Google for fixing their Kubernetes cluster. Um, and at that time, I didn't know too much about Kubernetes. But, you know, I was just standing there listening. And they were saying, you know, uh, maybe we can discuss this with this person, that person. And Ivan goes, no, I'm not going to leave until you fix this issue. <laughs> so we got the right person here to help us here. And that's how we met Ivan. And the uh, rest, as they say, is most definitely history. Um, you know, Ivan's been very instrumental, not just to CloudNet Wales, just for, you know, uh, Lewis, myself, giving us uh, a lot of support over the years. Um, if there's anything we want to know, we always... Uh, reach out to Ivan and find out. So I think without further ado, maybe we should introduce Ivan to the Minimal Viable podcast. Welcome, Ivan. Thank you. Thank you. And actually, the the thing with the Google in Copenhagen was was funny. Um, so what happened was I was trying to build ephemeral clusters in, in GK, and they usually critic fairly quickly and, and they start failing after 45 minutes of me launching them they will fail and and the errors were really bizarre so i was there so i would just reach out to the guys in google and say like why is this happening i've never seen this error and, and what was happening is that the data center was trying to do it was running out of capacity because apparently 
and that was not official, but apparently someone was running a Bitcoin miner there and they decided to switch off all the preemptible machines. Hey. And so yeah, it was it was an interesting experience. Very I was elected, you have to tell me what's going on here. And, and the truth is that they didn't have an API that, that will tell you these errors, like you don't have capacity, right? And they built that while I was just waiting in the string. Because I was in the string, and it's like they, they had these really cool rules in, in Google. And they had the string, and I was swinging there, waiting. And then these two guys from Wales arrived. <laughs> well, how, can it get, how can it get any worse? It's just, ah, oh, two Welsh guys turn up. But to be honest, you looked a bit like a Bond villain that day because you were in a hanging chair. You didn't have the cat on your lap, but you had your laptop, and then you were just, yeah. But, uh, and yeah, so it was a great time to first meet you. And um, yeah, straight away, you gave us some tips. So you, the reason you've given us tips were because you uh, run a meetup in London, uh, Kubernetes London. So uh, can that's you remember what you said? That's, that's not really the reason I gave you my advice. I always, if you ask for help, I usually try to help. That is like the fact that I run the Kubernetes meetup is just a side effect. But, you know, it, it, I think it's important for people to understand that they can reach out and I will always try to help. And people still asking me questions that, I don't know, but I probably know someone who can help them. But right? in this case, I knew how to run a meetup by one of you. So I don't and, remember what they said. And a couple of <laughs> hours ago, we needed help running a podcast and we needed a guest. So it's like, who's our first guest going to be? Well, it's going to be this person who helped us I get know, just the guy. <laughs> <laughs> there's, there's one more thing is uh, when we were going to do the first meetup, we, we don't know how to get the speakers or anything, you know. So uh, I, I'm pretty sure James Rowlings won't mind if I mention this. So James Rowlings was going to be our first speaker. But we did not know James Rowlings. We did not know Jenkins X. We didn't know any of that stuff. Uh, we didn't even know Cloud Native, right? Jenkins X, indeed. And then, but coincidentally, uh, James Rowlings was speaking at Cloud Native London two weeks before. So, you know, we were nervous. A lot, very nervous the first meetup. So we reached out to Ivan. Like Ivan, can you let us know if he's any good? Because <laughs> we never heard him before. <laughs> we found anything. Now the thing is, he's already been booked. We've, uh, Lewis has already spoken to him, and it's confirmed that he's coming. Uh, but and I remember uh, Ivan messaged afterwards. Like I messaged him again. Yo, how was he? Ivan was like, Yo, he was excellent. I'm like, Phew, great. And you know, he he did the first talk there. It was amazing, and a lot of people came. He spoke again at Cloud Native World. So uh, yeah. Always, always giving us tips. Always giving us tips. So, always helping. <laughs> helping, yeah. I, I wouldn't say always helping, but you do help occasionally. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so with that, it'd be great to know a little bit more about your event. So how did you get started with this? How did you get started anywhere near Cloud Native? Because when I speak to people, it seems to be your this oracle of information and knowledge. So how did this all, how did this all start out for you? That, that, that just prove how little people know. <laughs> um, the truth is that I started with Docker really early on. Um, Docker was solving a problem that I had, which I still have, which is how do I run my applications? And my background is development and architecture. And what I always wanted to do is to deploy my things and let them run and don't give me headaches. And that doesn't happen, that like things will break. And then, you know, when we used to have all these VMs and, and Python or Java or whatever it was, then you have to remember how to fix that thing. And the memory is very, very, very bad. And I'm legendary someone who will never 
remember anything at all. I mean, it's, I have a condition, right? So, um, so Docker suddenly fixed the problem of, of bundling up the applications with the dependencies. Something that in Java we had solved with the fat jars and Docker basically brought it for everything. And, and when I saw that, especially the Docker file, I thought like, wow, this is perfect. I have a file where I can basically define what my application needs. And once I have it, that's it. I know it will work more or less, right? So it does, it, does, it, it was that time that, that people were using Vagrant to, to, to do local development, right? And then, and then I started using Docker in anger and I remember being in this startup and I was running around 17, 17 Docker contents per machine all orchestrated with, with Bash and Systemd and, and a lot of faith <laughs> and luck. Um, so then we knew about Compose, we knew about, about um, something called Kubernetes and I started looking at it very, very early on because I was suffering from this problem of how do I bring some sanity to all these containers? And, and yeah, it was, I've been there from the beginning and I have a lot of scars, but I still think that it is a much nicer way of running your applications, describing your applications and maintaining your applications, right? It's the whole, the whole thing about operability is very important. It is something that anywhere I go, I usually make a lot of emphasis to like, it is very good because I'm an architect, it's very good to design, you know, all these boxes, all these arrows, that's good. But then you have to know how to operate these things and you can drop a box that says Kafka, but man, <laughs> managing and operating Kafka, it's really hard, right? So it's understanding the trade-offs of all these little boxes. See, I always find it interesting hearing how people get started with containers because it seems to solve a problem which isn't necessarily the main issue that it's solving. So for me, I had a child and I used to be one of these late night people who would just stay up all night working on code. But then because I had to wake up early in the morning now because I had a dependency on me, I had to look at change in the way that I worked. And so for me, I started looking at containers to be able to stop start nature of it. I wanted to be able to pick up as quickly as I could as I dropped off. And so that's where I started with it, but then that's how I got brought in. So it's really interesting to hear you there with, because my memory is also with you on this one now. I have to document everything all the time as well, just to remember what I've done the previous day. So that's but, great. But you, but, but you documented, I, I forget to document all these things. And then I'm just like, that's that's me, but I'm extremely disorganized for good and for bad. So I know I cannot rely on my documentation. And if I write documentation, because at some point I did, then I forget where it is. Well, that's not. We, we, we won't get you started on directions just yet either, as well, because uh, uh, that's also another thing that you're great with. So, um, so point. <laughs> so, actually, to other chats to uh, Dan and Simon as well. Like, uh, how did you get started with containers? Um, I all I remember is that everyone was talking about Docker, and I was like, "What's this? What's, what's this Docker thing?" So I thought, oh, "I'll go on the website. I'll just do the tutorial." And I think at the end of uh, end of the first. 24 hours, 36 hours, I was still going, I got VMs. Like, this is just VMs, and I can do my playbook in Ansible. I don't get it. And then I think I was trying to get a dev to understand what the dependencies were. And I said, hang on, I know a tool that might help you. And I showed them Docker, and then the penny dropped. Aha, I can get the other people's PCs to be able to ship. <laughs> and someone's left. <laughs> he, he walked out of the room and came back in. No, just... I live in rural. I live in rural 
Wales, so sometimes it <laughs> drops out. Where, where is rural Wales? That's probably just the outskirts of Cardiff, right? North Cardiff. <laughs> <laughs> That's not rural Wales. I'm out of Cardiff. So, I, I guess that's a good time as well to bring in so Evan as well. Where are you based today? Um, I think you're just, I think you're in the southmost point of Wales currently. Yeah. So I, I live in London. I've been in London for 15 years. 16, I don't remember. <laughs> um, but I had to come to Barcelona. My parents live in, in, in a small town northeast of Barcelona. And they haven't been feeling very well. So I decided to come here for a few days, look after them, and that's that's where I'm right now, Barcelona. With you moved from Barcelona to London as well, and was that linked at all with your career, with your progression? Yeah, so I'm I'm much older than people think, and not as old as some of the people in certain meetups that I was think because. For, I'm 46 years old, and and my my daughter made me a little card for my birthday, and she brought happy 56. Yeah. <laughs> um, so I took a photo of that and put it in 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 a slide for one of the talks that they did in, in the DevOps um the London Devs group and the meetup, and and then I was going to make this like explain this, but um. I said that, that it was my birthday that day, and then people started singing, and then I forgot that I had to explain that actually I'm not 56, but I forgot. So then after the meetup, someone can say, man, you look so young for 56. Like, maybe because I'm not 56. <laughs> but so, yeah, I'm 46. I've been, I've been around for a while, I've done a lot of things, and I've seen technologies coming and going. I remember when we started using this crazy new technology called VMware, where you will have VMs and virtual machines. So I saw all the all the adoption of, of virtualization. So when when I saw Docker, I realized that, wow, this this is the new wave. And, and I remember at the beginning going around telling people, there's this thing called Docker. You don't know, but, but this is going to solve all your problems. And these kind of problems that we have when we try to run applications. But um, yeah, it's, so, I I started writing code really early on. Um, I think that with Java, I, started, I, I was a Java developer for a long time. I started with Java 1.1. And then I moved to document management and content management and all this kind of stuff. And at some point, by mistake, I ended up doing um, operations because I knew PHP and I was working for the European Parliament and, and I apparently was the only one knowing PHP. So I had to look after the server. Linux server, and then is when I started basically learning about operations. And I think it's very important because a lot of people in Kubernetes and, and, and Docker, they come from an ops background, not from a dev background. And I always um, put a lot of emphasis about applications, right? And it is a very different um, way of understanding the the applications and, and how things change and evolve, right? From the operations point of view, what is important for you, and from the development point of view, what is important for you is slightly different. Then we have this thing called DevOps. <laughs> that people think is, is something in, in, in between is not. But um, yeah, it's, it's, I've been around the block for a while. And let's leave it like that. I've, yeah, I've personally come from a developer background. And so coming into this, this has always been developer focused for me. Over Since knowing you, you've had some interesting ideas and concepts uh, with the direction of Cloud Native from a developer experience. Are there any tools that you'd like to share that 
you've been using or what you'd recommend or anything to look out for? Um, I'm, I'm very pragmatic about, about tools and, and products in general, right? Uh, I think that one of the things that I usually do when I go to a new project is try to understand the team there and, and what people do and, and like and do not like and how they operate and then to process a, a, a tool. Whatever it is, Jenkins, Flux, IOCD, um, is not going to solve your problems, right? It's, it's something you have to, to decide. And, and the issue that we've seen, in, in, what I see in the industry is that people ask for best practices here and there. Oh, tell me, tell me what do I have to do and just drop it and, and because I want to forget about it. And unfortunately, things don't work like this, right? Like best practices in a bank do not work in, in a small startup. And the other way around, right? And and that's something that, that people usually don't understand. So when I was in Soho House, I built Kubernetes platform and CI and CD, and that thing has been running for a long time and has been fairly stable. But that thing, the way that it was built, will not work in, in other places where I was later, right? So and I think it's important to understand that. So when people say like, um, oh, I think that you have used this tool. Yeah, but, but but you have to ask tool and context, like a tool and teams and and, and places and, and like Jenkins is the example, like like I was in a bank and banks use Jenkins. So if you try to do something different, like we started with GitOps, then they will they will always like, why you don't do this with Jenkins? So yeah, the issue is not Jenkins, man. It's like you will have the same problems. So I was in State Street and we were using um I don't remember the name. Ah, <laughs> oh, it's because of my of my life. It's a theme. And yeah, it's it's the pivotal um, uh, CI house like um, Concourse, that way. And we were using Concourse, and, and the majority of the of the bank and guys running CI in the bank say, "Why well, you don't use Jenkins?" And so to me, it doesn't matter that it's Jenkins or Concourse, right? Because that's not the point. The point is that trying to run Jenkins the way that we run Concourse, we will have the same problem that we have with Concourse. Um, and it was people making a lot of emphasis on always oh, this tool, and the reality is not the tool. Right? It's the fact that you use a hammer or that you use an axe, that's that's not very relevant. Yeah. Hammering nails with an axe is possible, not ideal, but I'm sure that you will find someone who's like, well, I've done it all my life and it worked fine for me. Right? Like this, like this happens in Twitter all the time. Like you make a comment and then someone comes up, well, I've been using Ansible, managing hundreds of servers, and I never had a problem with well, good for you. <laughs> but the point is that you are not the rest of the people, right? It's like um, but yeah. Because one thing that I see a lot from you at the moment and uh, something that you seem to be connecting with quite a lot at the moment is GitOps. You talk quite often about that. I believe when you came to Cloud Native Wales, it was part of your talk about talking GitOps. So for people who might not necessarily know what GitOps is, I feel that probably is the right time to start talking about that. So would you mind saying what you believe GitOps to be and why you're invested in it? Yeah, GitOps is, is a term that derives from Weave, from WeWorks, Alexis Richardson coin that basically it, it was called operations by pull requests, right? Like in development, we've been using Git uh, as our source of truth for a long time. And, and one of the issues we have in operation is that, well, we are not as um, strict with changes and, and reviews as, as developers are. So 
bringing that into into the operational world was was great. And then suddenly we have a place where we can say, okay, this is what we deployed. This is who made the change. This is when we did it. Was very important. And then GitHub is basically defining the infrastructure or the applications in Git, and then having the automation that allows you to basically reconcile that Git repo with with your real life, right? with all the machines and applications, etc. People make a lot of emphasis on the tooling. We have a few tools. We have Flux, we have Argo, we have we have some custom people have decided to and make their own. Jenkins X is another one. Tools are important, but they are not the key. To me, the key of GitOps is defining the processes. This is the bit that people usually miss, right? Defining and changing those processes, how you're going to operate once you have to manage all your applications and infrastructure using Git and automation, it is hard, right? Like which tool will make your life easier in some aspects and hard in some others, right? But that is the key is define something in Git and let the automation to reconcile, right? And usually what happens, especially in the, in the beginning of implementing GitOps is that things will not go as you expect. So what happens is people will jump in and try to fix the cluster. My cluster is in fire, I have to fix it. And and they don't spend enough time trying to do it through GitOps, right? And they have, they call brittle systems. But if, if you start doing these things and, and, and it's hurting your business, then you probably have to rethink how to do it, how to adopt it. You have to do it in a way that it is not painful, right? Um, or dangerous for the business. It has to be comfortable. The engineers have to feel comfortable and safe that they can do change and explore. If you don't have that safety net, it is very dangerous to, to implement any kind of change. That is, I've seen this many times when we were using Java and and, and, and the SOA world, the, the services and all the the enterprise service bars, all these things. If you don't have a safety net, something that you have to basically explore and, and investigate and feel comfortable that if you make a mistake, you will not bring down the cluster or the system. And it is hard. So first thing, invest on, on safety net. And, and second thing, that people make mistakes. Other thing that the flip side is when you have that, you're building a very resilient system. Right? And the process that you have, you know, it's resilient. Because, for example, with Kubernetes, Kubernetes has been designed to basically try to keep um, the, your applications up or fall, or if they have to fail, they fail gracefully. Right? So we want to have the same principles in, in all the processes. That's, that's been basically my my pitch in the different places I've been for the last two years. The questions that I usually see when it comes to Cloud Native, and it's usually people who are looking to go to Cloud Native, and I say, from my experience of training people, usually it seems that someone's heard this thing called Kubernetes that's going to solve all their problems. And so all of a sudden it's being passed across to engineers and developers to say, right, this is what we're doing because it's going to solve it for us. And I'm not going to name names, but it just feels like the culture in that business is not necessarily in the right place at this moment in time because already it's just it's trying to be switched and whatnot. And that's where I see GitOps is really helpful because it, I like to find comfort in something that I already know. And most people have experience with Git. And then when you start doing that, and some people are used to infrastructure as code, and when you've seen these things, it's this comfortable place which you can get to, it feels, and then you can start progressing. That's how it works for me. Look, I'm I'm currently implementing GitOps in, in my company for um, deployments using Flux. And 
what I'm seeing is that like I'm taking different teams with different sets of tools, and they all are like even even though they may not be using Kubernetes to begin with, we're even so far as updating uh, README to say what versions of software are running in their versions of that environment, I can see the 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 cogs whirring in their heads to say this makes sense. We have a history of any moment in time on any day what was in that environment, and we can see what changes were introduced in any place. And similarly, from a sort of higher level part of the business where people are watching change and worried about it they're seeing oh we've got we've got an audit trail for this now and they feel more comfortable with us than doing more regular iterations which gets us faster feedback which makes lowers the risk in the first place i just i i fail to see the downside and in some ways it seems like such a simple idea and why didn't we think about it a long time ago i guess the tooling's come a long way but it's just it's so simple and yet so perfect same. Yeah, I think I think that there's something that is important to remember. Right? Like we, we we still talk about CI and CD. For me, these two things are very different. Right? CI is about building artifacts. CD is about deploying applications. Right? And and it is about the maturity on, on the industry. Like I when I when I talk with Alex, is one of the things that, that we always agree is that we are not very mature yet. Right? And this is something that people especially in certain places, really struggle to accept that, yeah, <laughs> we are a not very mature industry. But that's that's the reality, right? Like we, we've been building and deploying things for a long time, but but we've been deploying and, and running things in this container way for not very long. It's a fair point. And I, I think it's quite important as well that people start to try to own their businesses as well. So if this is the kind of shape that your business is, don't try to pretend that you're something that you're not. It's I, the amount of experiences that I've had in, earlier in my career when we were supposed to have 100% uptime. And then that effect was pushed onto my shoulders to have, try and have something that was available all year round. And the only <clears throat> I just remember whenever I'd go out, I'd have two phones with me and my laptop. And that was just my standard thing. If I'm going out for a walk, two phones, laptop, whatever it was, I had no disconnect whatsoever. Whereas when we start to in introduce these concepts and these processes, it's starting to allow this thing where instead, like that's the point of having an orchestrator is so that can self-heal. So yes, you're still going to get alerts. Sometimes things are going to go wrong, but it's not going to be 10 out of 10 times. Hopefully you get to like eight out of 10 times it can self it can sort itself out. Yeah, I think I think there's, there's something because I, I've seen it in several places now. And, and when you show these, then people are like, oh, I get it. Um, so in, in the home office, for example, we had this Java application and the Java application have a memory leak. Right? And, and we could see that the application was crashing, but we had, I think it was like six replicas at that time. And, and one of the replicas will just go and crash. And then, and then but, but the thing is that users were not impacted. Right? So instead of having a problem that we, that we will have in the old days, what happened was that we have an issue in our Jira board is like, we have to sort it out. But the same thing happened in, in so how we had an Node.js application and it has a memory leak. And what happens with Kubernetes is you're buying time. Right? Like, like, yes, you have a problem, you can see it now, you go and fix it. Right? Like the system will keep the lights on. And I think that, that is very important. It's one of these things that people see the value straight away. Like, why are we doing this? Because of that. Right. I think now is a great time to hear again by our sponsor. So, um, but when we come back, I It'd be great to get some of your experience with working within the community and also mentoring, because mentoring is very key to what you're looking to do in the future. The podcast sponsor today is devwales.com. Devwales.com is an independent website run by local developer Cy Anthony. 
If you're looking for meetups in and around the area, then why don't you have a look at devwales.com? It's a central place to find everything that's happening around you. DevWales.com has paid absolutely nothing for this ad, as you can probably figure out, but we enjoy our independence here. So why don't you go and have a look at DevWales.com and help out today. So we're back here. This is the first inaugural Cloud Native Wales Minimum Viable uh, podcast. This is now almost six hours old uh, from uh, concept to actually getting it up and running. Ivan has found some Spanish donuts, which he is definitely enjoying right now. And so, so far, we've gone through about Korea. We've gone through some of the technologies that you're interested in. But what we really connected with you was about community. Like we, when we set up this community, as I s- said earlier on, we created Cloud Native Wales because we wanted to build something closer to home for us. What has your impact been within community? Because I, I've always seen you as being very much fun- fundamentally a part of community within the industry. I agree. I, I should have prepared <laughs> for that. Right. We'll add in the show links again, when we find where our show links are, we'll add uh, the panel where you just agreed with everyone. Which uh, I think I think you should you should elaborate what actually happened. You should like give a 20 second exactly what happened that day. I, I actually remember that now. You remember that? I remember, I remember, that day, I remember it's that guy. It's that guy. <laughs> the pennies dropped. It's the same guy as that talk. Yeah, it was me. It was me. So it was it was in a panel that we had in in KubeCon in Barcelona with um, a few people. Um, so the the host asked a question and everybody was answering and and they answered everything that could be said about GitHub. So when it was my turn, I just said, "I agree," <laughs> and the whole room burst into laugh. And I think it's important to make people laugh. And it's it's one of the things when when I do presentations, when I do my talks. I'm always very conscious about people who, you know, after the whole day working, you come to a meetup to try to learn and meet people and you have to listen more work for that stuff. So I try to make it funny. That's why I put all these gifts. And for the people who have not seen my presentations, I usually put gifts. I put usually one sentence or two in an animated gif next to it that is somehow related and very wrong. I agree. I, I I tried to steal that off one of my first demonstrations this week. I, I I was wondering who I stole it off, and now I remember it was you. Oh well, this is like yeah, mine. <laughs> I think it's uh, it's Dan. His pennies are dropping two every minute. Like is first it was oh it's that guy, and now it's yeah. <laughs> I, I don't think anyone understands that I'm from r- real rural Wales, where we don't <laughs> we're not very clever up there, and a computer is quite a difficult thing to come by. So maybe, maybe I should say a little bit of, of what I do in the community space. I haven't introduced myself yet. Well, I gave you the option to introduce yourself, but then you yeah, just well, went off onto something. I, because I forgot. <laughs> <laughs> You're a van. You're yeah, on a podcast um, right now. Yeah. Um, so recently I joined Control Plane as head of engineering. And and one of the things that I was talking with, with Andy, um, Andrew Martin, was about me wanting to spend a fair amount of time building and improving the community, which is something I usually do, but um, it is much easier and better when your company helps you. So, <clears throat> excuse me, I do run with Milos and until recently Peter, Peter had um, a daughter and he had to step back from hosting the Community London Meetup. It is a very big meetup. We, we have, depends on the day, 
between 150 to 300 people. Uh, when I go to Barcelona and, and talk with my friends here, they, they usually say like, dude, your meetup is bigger than some of the conferences we've been here, which it is true. And they are somehow surprised that, that we can do it. But it is like everything when you have this nothing, you have to focus on, on the bare minimum, which is venue, speakers, food and drinks, and, and yeah, pray for the best. I've been doing it for a while. I run that meetup. I run something called a secret meetup. I'm not sure if we should disclose in a podcast, but it's a secret meetup. Wow. Yeah, <laughs> that's an ideal thing to do, isn't it? <laughs> and the secret meetup is a really interesting concept because Kubernetes meetup is very big, right? So, and, and it's great for certain things, but it's not great for others like talking and engaging with, with people. I really like small meetups. So, for example, when I came to, to, to Cardiff, um, it is a really nice size because you can go and ask questions and people feel um, that they can ask you questions as well. And, and that, that's conversa that conversation is, is priceless to me, at least. That thing doesn't happen with the Kubernetes London meetup. It's too big. Because you are one of the first people to really help out with that as well, because a lot of the time when we were looking to set up this meetup, it's kind of key performance indicator triggers saying how many people are you going to get there? And you keep striving. It's like, how, what is this number? You don't know what this number is. But you are one of the first people to say it's about the people. It's about the community. It's about people discussing. So yeah. since then, that's Salman and I from day one, we introduce people when they come into the room. We just have a conversation, try to connect people with each other just to say, oh, wait, you're working on that? Well, you should speak to this person here. And that all came from you. And it's really helped us build up this strong community, which we're really proud of. And it's very welcoming. We had uh, our first remote meetup last night and someone's message to say how welcoming it was for them and how they could contribute to it. And it's just like, yeah, it's as soon as you walk through that door, you're pretty much family with us anyway. So everyone's got a right. And so equally saying that if you are running a meetup, make sure you've got a code of conduct in place as well to make sure that people do feel welcome as well. But so with your meetup in London, because you've dressed up a couple of times as well, haven't you? From multiple t-shirts to dressing up as a dinosaur. I mean, he's usually wearing something, but you know, it's the way you said it is as if like he comes with a lot of t-shirts and stuff. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He's usually wearing something. You're talking about fancy dress here, Lewis, right? Yeah, it was it, it, the the dinosaur was in the first Istio meetup that was organized, and it 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 is again is is my it is not my motto. It is what you have to care for people, right? And then if you're going to do something, you have to be fully aware. And it's something that I don't everywhere. And people who know me, they really appreciate me because they know that they care for the team, for company, for values, and, and I always try to help. Right. And that's that's something that I say and that pays back over and over. Right. And from something as silly as going to a I, I gave a talk in a PyCon and and I, I went and talked about Docker. And then suddenly two years later a guy came out of the blue and said, Dude, you changed my life. Because my life was a disaster. I didn't know what to do. I was working in this small company in Spain and I went to this conference and I saw you talk and you made me realize that I could do so much more. But then it's it's about it's about that caring about people. But I think it's it's the most valuable asset that we have, and that's something that I've tried to transmit. When you talk to me and you ask, like the most important thing is you have five people, you have to care for them. Like the difference between five and twenty-five and two hundred and fifty, if you don't care for you attendees, you, you have nothing. Right, and and this is something that we've seen with meetups that that is that they basically driven by a company like company trying to basically 
of a marketing event, it will never be able to compete with a meetup organized by people. That because what happens is that and this is something very interesting that that happened, and with meetup nights, I'll let you talk about meetup nights later. And that I used to go there, and people didn't know who I was. So that gave me the 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 option of me asking people, why do you come to a meetup? And 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 I so the, the idea of meetup nights. Go and explain what meetup nights is. Dan, have you used meetup nights? No, I've not used it. Um, Jack, who's now working with both of you guys, I guess, uh, he he's used it, and we've been talking about bringing it to Cardiff, right? Walking into a room when you don't know any familiar faces, it's so intimidating, and especially when people are talking to each other as well, because you feel like uh, the lone sheep in the room. It's uh, everyone else knows what's happening, and you don't. I was definitely there. And so what Meetup Meets tries to address is, is that uh, you meet up somewhere more comfortable to begin with, with other people who are in a similar situation. So then actually you can just have a talk, you can uh, find that you you can relate with people, and then you can go in as a group. And so then you can actually enter these events and you don't have to feel so isolated as you would otherwise. It's been happening in London and we're looking at getting it served around uh, Cardiff at this moment in time. Yeah, so Ivan was there helping out with that at the start. Yeah, so, so Tedia came out in... After a meetup, we were in a pub, and then a, a girl called Margo and, and Dom, Dominic. Hello, Dominic. Um, and they came up with this plan of how to make meetups more inclusive. The, the idea is how how to lower the barrier, the entrance barrier to meetup, right? because it is scary, particularly if you are from one of the minority groups going to a meetup that you don't know anyone and you see all these people and you see all these groups, it is it's intimidating, right? So they come up with this idea, it's a great idea. So what happens is that they meet before the meetup, right? So you you go and meet, depending, like, and that's something that I, I told Louis when when we were talking about bringing meetup nights to Kai, so well, this is what we do in London, but that might not work in, in your city. You have to think what, what could work in your city, right? Because the model, does not scale. You cannot do because in London we have a lot of people, and it's very different. So in smaller places, you have to think about what is what is the thing that that will make people come together. Because that's the idea: bring people together and then ease the transition into the meetup. And so I ask always before the meetup, I go and ask, "Why are you coming to the meetup?" And and the majority of people say always, "As knowledge, I want to learn." There's like this math, like. All these talks about whatever, like security and containers or whatever it is, not JS or DevOps or anything. And But if I ask the question after the meetup or when we go to the pub and we are there just drinking, I say, what is the most valuable thing that you, you got from, from today? Usually is not knowledge. Usually is I've met this guy or I've met these people or suddenly um, I realized that I was doing something because I was talking with someone. Right? And, and that is something that is incredibly important. It's in, in, interesting because we we all here at nice meetups, right? <laughs> and what we offer is not what people really is the value. is is It's kind of like 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 a trick. Like they think that they come for the knowledge, but in reality, what what brings the value is is the people. Definitely. And dude, think... you could have said, "I agree." Oh, Drop the mic. I agree. <laughs> And I can't say I disagree, especially to that one. So, yeah, I I agree. And I think it's you've touched on some very important points because 
when you go to meetups, it's predominantly white men. And that's, if you, we need to make, we need to improve the diversity within our industry. And it's to make that happen, we need to make it safe spaces as well. That's where I think it's very important that we go to. And so when you mentioned going to the pub afterwards for a drink, like the people that come to the pub afterwards and so now going for the drink is for that discussion, is to go and talk as well. It's just to share, share the stories, is to say, this is what we did today. Is this normal for anyone else? And it's like, oh, no, that happens to us as well. As soon as you can relate to that, because especially within some businesses, I I felt previously that I was in this special bubble of a business, whereas like we do these things and we don't talk to anyone else. Being able to share the knowledge and learn from others and just hearing how people are solving these problems has really helped progress in, the, in my career. And yeah, I think those are some great points. Well, and you're also taking this a bit further as well. So as well as community, you're looking at mentoring as well. No, what happened was a few months ago, I was talking with Jack Broughton and and it's out of all these meetup nights, meetups, secret meetup. Oh, we didn't explain what the secret meetup is. I'll, I'll just. I'll, what's I'm, the secret meetup? Tell I'll, us, I'll, Ivan. What's I'll, the explain, I'll, explain, I'll explain at the end of the show so people have to wait. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you can't skip to the end so of the show, much. right? Always. Oh, oh yeah, true. <laughs> Always with Sally. Um, don't, don't talk. I will get distracted. My ADHD will kick in and then I will forget what I'm talking about. I forgot what I was talking about. <laughs> you're going to you're you're holding off about uh, the secret meetup, but we're talking about mentoring because I asked you about mentoring because I thought. Yes. Go on, go on. Uh, you've helped us out. Uh, you've mentored uh, myself, and I, if I'm so bold to say, Salman as well. You've helped us uh, understand and grow this community that we wanted to build. I've equally come to you recently, and I feel more of a mentee to you when you've been helping me with advice about my career. Um, and it's really good when you get someone's feedback that it's someone that you rate and value and they give you that confidence to move on. And um, so I'm just interested as to how you see uh, mentoring working within the community as well. Yeah, I mean, I've been mentoring people for a long time. I think I think it's something that the industry needs more and more. Right? And, and out of that, I talk with Jack Broughton about this idea of how to improve the community, what, what is missing in the community, what I've seen is we don't have a way of learning about non-technical stuff. Right? Like, like we are very good at going to meet up about Node.js, about Kubernetes, about you know, Java and microservices and, and all these kind of technologies. But we are not very good at, at learning about all the things like, for example, burnout and Imposter syndrome. The imposter syndrome, for example, is something interesting. We've been trying to organize an event related to that for at least four months, and we cannot find speakers because nobody feels prepared enough. Well, I can relate to the imposter syndrome, definitely. In that. Yeah, definitely. In Call fact, me I, in. I, so, I always so start I, my talks with, I'm an imposter, get me out of here. So out, out of that, um, we created something we call Mentor, which is a, an online community where we try to basically bridge that. And we have been organizing events. And, and one of the things we want to do is to start organizing a mentoring network. I, I can mentor a few people, but, but I don't scale, right? Mentoring is something that is very personal. You have, you have to know the person that you're mentoring. It's, it's kind of a relationship because you have to feel comfortable that you can ask career advice, right? And 
And that is something very important. What I see when you have a really good mentor, what happens is you have a really good relationship. And that is something that takes time. Right? So we're trying to set a, a way of doing this and being able to define a way, helping people to become mentors of helping people to find mentors. Right? And yeah. Recently, and I guess it's from a lot of what you've been sharing about being a mentor. And I get it's this interesting concept of you've mentioned imposter syndrome and then also being a mentor in that I don't feel qualified in pretty much anything that I do. So how can I be a mentor for someone to say, go and do this, go and go and get this done? Recently, um, I met someone. Hold, hold on, hold, hold on a second, hold on a second. You ask a question about how can I be? And, and the truth is that why not? What, like, you know a lot already. You do a lot of things, right? Yeah, I do. And so I, 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 got, I got a little point to make about that. I, I do um, just some triathlon coaching, and I try to bring people on as coaches. And the argument they always say is, how can I coach somebody who is a national-level triathlete when I'm, I'm hardly performing myself? And the argument I always make is, do you think that the – triathletes the the olympians everyone who currently succeed that their coach is as good as them and do you think they mind because it's a different set of skills to see how somebody else can re reach their potential without you being able to, to to be able to do it yourself and in fact that can make you a better coach for the seeing the pitfalls of all the problems because you you, you can empathize right and empathy is actually what people really need i agree there we go <laughs> 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 yeah, I think uh, I'm not sure in Lewis. He, I don't think he knows this, but he's been a mentor to me from the beginning because I know you. You know, you all talked about how you start with Docker. You know, you said you were worried about sleeping at night, Lewis, because you had a little son, and you know you had issues, Ivan, at like doing this uh, applications at scale. I remember one of those days when Lewis walks in in the office when I used to work with him about two three years ago. And he says to me, have you heard about Docker? Now, that's also mentoring, right? Like, that's how I started with Docker, because he mentioned it to me. And people are usually mentoring other people without realizing they're mentoring other people. You know, just giving a pointer here or there always helps. And it's like that old adage, right? Somebody's helped you, and you may not be able to ever reciprocate that help, but you can reciprocate it by helping the next set of people you come across who need that exact set of help. Exactly. And that's my point, right? Like you might not be able to mentor me, but you can totally mentor someone who is just coming out in the industry. And we have people like that, right? Like in Menta now we have almost 40 people and I had several people coming and it's like, I will, I would like to find a mentor. What, what can I do? And we're working on that, right? But it's something that, that the first thing I have to do is to make people that they don't think that they can mentor comfortable with the idea of, of mentoring, right? Because it's a little bit like, <clears throat> excuse me, it's a little bit like when people come or when I go and reach out, I say, why you don't come and give a talk in my, in my meetup, right? And then say, ooh, I don't know enough. And like, this, is, this is something that, that I don't know if, you, if you've seen this, or you were like, wow, man, you're doing all this awesome stuff. Like, why you don't give a talk? No, I don't know enough. Like, it, it happens a lot with, with women. It is much harder for, for me to convince them to come and give a, a, a talk probably because safety and, and confidence, right? But the truth is that the best talks are the ones about the journey. Like, like my journey into Kubernetes is this. And, and that kind of talk usually are really good. 
my experience with this, how I fail, how little I know <laughs> about this. And, you know, these this kind of talks usually are really well, well received by the, by the people. And, and still, people feel that, oh, I don't, I'm not an expert, I'm not a guru, I cannot give a talk. Right? So you don't have to be. Well, and that's what we've done with our meetup recently, in that people want to give talks, and, and it's understanding this first problem. that you, What we're used to showing is how advanced our knowledge is, because that's what gives us our job. That's what pays our income, because we show how good we are at what we do. To be able to be open and show the steps that you've had to learn to get to a place is a lot more difficult than it is by saying, well, look, when you get to this level, this is everything that you can look at. Whereas the talks that we see, the ones that people really do connect with are helping people understand, well, you're going to be hitting this hurdle and this is when you're going to want to give up. But actually, if you go around this way and you do it this way, then this is how you can get up and running. And we see lots more people connect with that. I guess that comes back to just being open and honest. So. Um, one of the points that Dan and I have been doing recently is, is that we set up a book club locally uh, around Cardiff. This all came about from us having history with uh, mental health. Um, I've suffered from depression in the past. Dan, do you want to share yours? Or? Yeah, yeah. It, it, it's kind of a nice story, I think. Um, so me and Lewis met up in um, a coffee shop to have tea, which is unusual for me. As anyone who knows me, I like to meet up for drinks. Um, and we, uh, we were just discussing, um, I, I've recently... I say recently, I'm probably 12 months through, but I burned out 12 months ago pretty badly and things got quite hairy there. And we were just talking about things. And like, I, I, at the time, I was a little bit concerned about Lewis and I was just trying to help him. And it turned out we were like, Lewis goes, read this book and I need to read this book too. And we'll make a book club between me and you so that so that we can keep ourselves honest. Although I think the pair of us now haven't kept ourselves honest, but that's a side a side story. Um, and then Lewis said to me, should we open this up? And we've opened it up and we've got quite a community of people now in our mental health book club. I think we're up, up into like 15 people. Some people are doing it on their own and just talking to anybody individually. But it's, going, it's going really well. And uh, in fact, one of my friends who's completely out of tech she read the book and she said dan that book is exactly what i needed at exactly the right time in my life thank you and i thought well lewis will be happy because he wanted me to read it for it to be exactly what i needed in my life and i haven't quite got through it but even even so just just, just there's clearly a problem right like we're all knowledge workers we all like fill our heads with big paradigms of problems and then we keep going to meetups we keep doing a lot we keep over committing and then just when it's too late oh right what's the support mechanism and i think that like i meet i meet lots of people who feel they got nobody to talk to and this has been like a great like sort of support group right sorry i've gone off on some crazy tangents <laughs> nothing to be sorry about but i think it's that thing that so far talking about mentors and being able to do things and then having salman mentioned that and then it's you realize that you just try to leave the path or you try to leave breadcrumbs for others to be able to follow and so we can pick each other up. So to relate this back to a van, I guess, because we've been talking about lots of technologies and Salman raised a really good point earlier on. Um, do you want to bring it up, Sal? It's quite a few points, but yeah, I think this is a good point to mention. I think we're going to ask this question to everybody. Uh, you know, we always talk about good things, this and that, but all of us are humans and some of us are good at some things, probably not so good at other things. So uh, Ivan, we got a question for you. What is something that you're not very good at? Man, answering questions. <laughs> <laughs> I agree. No. <laughs> <laughs> Boom. <laughs> um, 
I see something that I, they usually ask this in, in interviews, and um, I'm super honest with this. I'm a terrible developer. Like, uh, I'm, I'm very good at, at certain things. Now, I have really good ideas. It's, it is one of those, those abilities that I have to see things that people cannot see or try to think in in ways that people usually don't think. So I come up with, with systems that are usually very interesting. So what I can do is to build a proof of concept to prove the idea, right? Now, I will not trust my code to run in production. It has. There's, there's some places that, that falls. <laughs> they have my code running in production, but um, I don't consider myself a good developer. I usually don't have this mindset of trying to to be thorough with all the edge cases, right? And I'm like, I, I have an idea, I want to prove a point, I won't try to validate it. Once I'm there, then that's it. Um, I will let the good developers to go and build it, right? And that's that's something that, that I've seen over and over. If I have to do it, I can do it, but it takes me a lot, a lot of time that might not be optimal because, you know, finding good developers is it's much easier than finding good people that understand distributed systems. And it's, it's, it's one of the things about, and it's, I think that we don't have to be uh, afraid of, of wording what we are not good at, right? And I'm telling you about uh, writing documentation, for example, and maybe because English is not my first language, and I always doubt that my written English is not going to be very good. And and what I said, like I have a terrible memory, so sometimes that creates issues. One thing that happens, and I'm, I'm sure it happens to more than just me, like I get an email, I look at my telephone, and I say, I will reply later. And that's it, it's gone. <laughs> it's gone. <laughs> so if you send me an email and I don't reply, it's not because I just ignore you, it's just like I forgot that you send me the email, I apologize. <laughs> but that's life. Thanks. Yeah, no, that's, thank you for sharing that. You know, it's coming coming from somebody like you who says, you know, who says, oh, I'm a terrible developer. Uh, you know, we've seen, because, you know, if people, everybody, we see you all the time being on the stage and talking about doing this and that, GitOps, all those amazing memes, you know, like everybody thinks, so you have to be amazing at everything. Now that the reason why you're presenting up there is because you're amazing at everything. So I think it was good for people to hear, you know, there are some things that everybody struggles at. So, you know, I think it probably gives people hope a little bit, I hope. I'm terrible at many things. If I if I tell you how many things I'm terrible at, we'll be here for a while. So maybe we'll maybe I'll drop a terrible thing every every podcast. So I think I think there's a difference between um not knowing and being bad at something. Right? Mm -hmm. If you if you don't know how to cycle, you cannot say that you're a terrible cyclist. Yeah. If you don't know how to swim, you're gonna say oh, I'm a terrible swimmer. If you've been swimming triathlons and and then you can say actually I have to say I'm not very good at like I've done triathlons, for example. I'm not very good at cycling, which is the most important part of the triathlon. So hey. <laughs> but um but there's something you have to to with with time you have to analyze and, and you know yourself, you have to say, okay. I've been doing this for a while. There are things that I'm good and there are things that I'm not good. Right? It's, it's, I think that that's a very important point, knowledge versus... For me, it's you're hitting on some really good points here. And so I give training. I give Kubernetes. We've, we've given training together, actually, haven't we, Ivan? We, we had a weekend away where we had a, a team um, who came in and flushed for us, which was... Yeah, legendary for... training. <laughs> <laughs> Um, someone actually converted a video into ASCII art and put it into a container so that when uh, Ivan exact into it, he saw a video of himself. Anyway, we'll try and add that to the show notes. But uh, so when I started, or, or, or maybe not, or maybe not. 
Exactly. <laughs> oh, definitely, definitely. Um, so when I started to give training, it was never a comfortable thing for me to do. I'm dyslexic. I've got a slight speech impediment. I, you can't hear it. When I get nervous, I start to slur my words quite a bit. And But then going up in front of people to present, I was always nervous about doing it. And so much so with my spelling, I avoided the whiteboard for about six months. I gave every excuse not to go on the whiteboard. And then ultimately, one day, I was just told by a friend, Daniele from Learn Kubernetes, who was like, just, he got me and he just made me do this whiteboard. And it was at that moment, I spelled everything wrong. But then I realized the room, the room didn't care. The room didn't, they, there was nothing negative towards it. Someone helped me and they just said, oh, you spelled that wrong. Oh, thank you. And he realizes that th that chip on my shoulder was preventing me from actually doing what I was there to do. And so as soon as I took that off and then it enabled me and it, there's so much less for me to worry about, I could actually focus on what I was doing. So, and I just find that interesting. I could relate to your point about saying, because English isn't your first language, then it's hard for you to document. But then equally, it's sometimes I find that because you put so much effort into doing it, sometimes you can actually over deliver from what's actually been there for someone who takes it for granted. But that's on a case by case basis, I guess. But anyway, I think we're divulging again. So. I think let it's me, almost. Let me, let me let me say something. Let me cut you off for for a moment about the whiteboarding because I think it's important. Um, recently, a friend of mine um, confessed that he struggles as well with with whiteboard exercises. And I said, look, just practice. Just get some whiteboard in your house and practice because the key in whiteboarding is not spelling. The key in whiteboarding is not how square your boxes are. The key in whiteboarding is sending a message right and then simplify the message make sure that everything is clear and basic and so i i told him that like this is, this is just do this a simple exercise and, and, and let me know how it goes and then he got me like dirt i had the interview and i had a whiteboarding and and it went super well they they actually they couldn't go to me because the whiteboarding session was excellent and they really enjoyed it and say well this thing and so i think i think that that is a very important aspect of of our of our journey, right? Like you, we have to learn, and we, I think that one of the things I always say in the meetup when when I finish the meetup is be kind to each other, right? That we have to be kind to ourselves as well. And if you have something that you struggle with, reach out and find someone that can help you. Because I'm convinced that there's a lot of people there trying to help. Now, now you can carry on saying I don't know what you were going to say, but I, I'm I'm going to drop an honest one now and just say I agree with that. So I completely agree with what you just said there. So I think it's time for us to start wrapping up. So we got a couple of questions which we hope to ask everyone who comes to this podcast. Ultimately, this could just be questions for you. Yeah, we, hopefully, we'll get another guest. But uh, one for people getting started. So if you could go back, and so we've alluded to your age. So if you could go back, and I don't know how young you want to be because you've got quite a few years to choose from. But if you could give a single piece of advice, what would it be to a young Ivan? Run away. Now. <laughs> <laughs> no, um, I think that the best advice I could give myself is as um, people are more important than technology. Just always remember that. And, and, I, and I think that especially the, the people that come into the industry, they, they put too much energy and emphasis in technology. Well, I think that, you know, people and relationships and understanding the dynamics of the group, it is very important. Actually, I'm writing a blog post. I, after a lot of time discussing with myself and with 
my mentor about these issues that I have, and I decided to start writing again. And and I have one of the blog posts about group dynamics and how a group will change in depending on, on, on who comes and who goes. I think that is a very important topic that I've seen over and over in different places and we don't give enough importance with like usually we don't value enough the group dynamics in technology. I agree. Away from looking to the past, what do you think the future is going to hold? What do you expect to be the things that we'll be talking about in 12 months' time? If I want to invest in things, what are you investing in now? What What are you focusing on? Well, I'm, I'm focusing on people, right? And that's that's and I've been I've been trying to to evangelize about Kubernetes, and I, what I usually do is to build platforms on Kubernetes. Many many years ago, Kelsey Hightower said that Kubernetes was a framework that you have to build on top. And there's people who have understood that they have gone and, and, and built it. Right? And you have different cases in the industry. And then you have other people who expect to have this package, which is Kubernetes. I think I think that things like GitOps and serverless are helping towards the direction. Because the, the important thing is not Kubernetes. I always define Kubernetes not as a scheduler, not as an orchestrator. I define Kubernetes as an API. And I like to talk about being above the API and being under the API. And then because now you can place people in one in one in one well-defined space. And like you are you are working in this piece of work, which is basically making sure that the storage is uh, attached and mounted into my application, regardless what it is. And this is this control that lives in Kubernetes, and that's under the API. And you are building applications consuming. Certain APIs, so that that simplifies a lot on the the management of systems and the and the management of people and teams, right? And but I think that the KitOps and and serverless, these these uh, the event sourcing uh, architecture that we've been trying to implement for a while, and um, it will it will have hopefully a big push, I hope, because it makes our lives much easier. <laughs> Sorry, I got to let the gravity of that like hang in the air a little bit. I agree. <laughs> um, <laughs> so a bit of a bit of a more fun question for you: If you were to be stranded on a desert island, what would you take with you? Tech related? Who would you take with you? And which cake would you take with you? I'll I'll, I'll start the last question first. Most importantly, cake. And people don't know. I always always talk about cakes, and I eat. Quite a lot of cakes. Don't know why. I, I just like them. But uh, cakes are very present in my life. Um, so I'll probably take a banana cake, banana bread, because um, it's very versatile and it's nice with butter and things. Right. Um, what I will take to a, a desert island probably will be my wife. But then it will not be very desert. Um, and the piece of technology to, to, to a desert island probably I will not take anything. Just like me and my wife and banana cake. I don't need anything else. A typewriter. You take a typewriter. That, that is that technology. Vintage. Yes, yes, it's technology. It doesn't yeah. matter how old it is. It's still technology. Technology. But but what about a food mixer to make more banana cake? Yeah, that's very true. That's very true. Yeah, I don't know. I don't think I don't think that technology is important enough to be there. A book. Um. Yeah. I don't know. Technology too. Yeah. As well. Some. Uh, Sorry, some I'm not very good. I'm not. I'm not very good at this kind of. 
questions that time. No, some some great answers. There's banana cake. I think that's what you get next time when you come to Cloud Native Worlds. Uh, if we ever go to an in-person meetup again, uh, you know, we'll definitely. That's what we got for you in store. Um, yeah, thanks. Thanks for that. So there's some great discussions there. But you know, you mentioned something a while ago which we never touched up upon again. What is the secret meetup? Okay, so the secret meetup is it's basically a concept. Um, as I said, I like small meetups, right? So what I wanted to have was um, a small group of people on a table talking about real life problems. So I set up this this secret meetup, which is basically you have five hosts. And each host has three chairs, so you can bring three people, you and two more, or you can just send three people. And then we end up being 15 people on a table talking about problems we have, usually related to Kubernetes and distributed systems, a lot of Kafka, a lot of CI, and been doing it for a while. It's a really nice format because it's very small. It allows people to talk and, and share knowledge and insights in a much nicer way because there are things that they will never say on a stage but they can go and say well don't bother about this because we tried this technology and it didn't work out uh, we have tried to implement this and we'll restore weight or we have all these problems and this is how we solve so it was a, i think that the decision meetup is the right um medium for that is the right way of doing it i hope that more people start doing it and you know, it does. It's just the format. We, we, the difference is that we don't do it at, in the evenings. We do it during working hours because I want people to see this as part of your work. Like what you're trying to do is to go and and find answers and helping others to find answers, and that's part of your job. Right? And if not, that's fine. But then you don't have. So how's um? Okay, cool. No, that sounds that sounds really really interesting. So how does this how does one get invited to this? Is it like the knighthood that the queen decides herself? Like this person is gonna get it, or <laughs> well, it, it is. So how how it works is that I just go and start just talking with people, and then I find these five, well, four horse, and and then we we try to find a venue. Like usually it's a meeting room in one of the companies of of these people, and we have people from all like Monzo and Nutmeg and so has usually people that they know. I don't, so if, if if I don't know you, it's very difficult that you can be in, in that secret meetup, but you can go and organize your own meetup. And, the, it, and it's a similar thing that we need to make. You have to find something that works for you. Like so in, in Cardiff, maybe 15 people is too many, but six is, is all right, right. So it's just like finding this way of, let's, let's sit down together and share experiences in a confidential way. But like confidential is not clearly the right way, but in, in a safe environment. In a frank way, just be a bit more frank. Yeah. Cool. All right, thank you. I think I'm many times in my career I really could have done with that. Um, <laughs> <laughs> truth, truth is that people are willing to help, right? The, the whole the whole core of Mentor is we know that people want to contribute back. We know that, that they, there's a lot of people who would like to be part of the community. They would like to know how to run a workshop. They would like to... to to mentor, they would like, but they don't know how to, right? So mentor basically is the problem. We try to basically build something that helps you to know how. If you want to run a meetup, we hope to have a few documents and pages that explain how and what, and some people that can advise you. But a little bit what they did with with, with you, and um, 
If you want to become a mentor, what do you have to do? If you want to run a workshop, what do you have to do? Right? So it's, it's just nothing like helping people to contribute back. And I'll shut up because I've been talking for a long time. Well, yes, you have been talking for a long time, but it's been absolutely invaluable. So thank you ever so much for your time, Ivan. If you want, you can put your mic on quiet now and finish off all that cake that you've got surrounded you. Yeah, so I think this has been quite a good first episode for our podcast. I'm obviously going to say that because I'm part of it. Yeah, but like MVP seems to be like underselling it. So I was concerned that was banging. Thank you, Ivan. Thank you, guys. That was more than I expected from this. If I want to be completely honest, if I want it, I just want to have a single podcast now. Just that is the minimum viable product. It's just like we did it once and then it's just, yeah, we're done. But no, I agree. <laughs> I think, <laughs> I think uh, we've got a couple more of these. But the thing is, is that we don't have anyone lined up at this moment in time. And we do want to try and build up this community. If you've enjoyed this podcast today, oh, that's what I need to say. Rate our podcast, share with others. I don't know whichever star review system this is. It's going out somewhere, so please share with others. But this iTunes or whatever you get your podcast from. That's the line. But also, please feel free to be a part of this. We'd love to hear your stories. As Ivan has shared with us, we show, we're sure that there's people out there with theirs as well that they'd like to share. So please get in touch with us. Get on. We're not that bad, actually, as people to speak to, I don't think. And, um, and I think Ivan sent us precedent so that when you do come, we will enforce that there should be cake for everyone. So uh, there will be cake. That's all you need to say to Ivan and then he'll turn up. So just be careful when you say stuff like that. So again, I'd like to thank Ivan one last time for his time. He's come in, he's conquered, and um, I'm looking forward to whatever the future holds with working with Ivan as he's now the head of engineering and control plane where I also work. So that's gonna be exciting times ahead. It was so, like a secret announcement that, that I didn't miss, that I didn't fail to see either, <laughs> that I meant to quiz you on later. Yeah, well, we're going to be working together. So I've, Ivan, he's such a great person. And the happiness that I had when I found that I'll be working with him is unbelievable. He paid me to say that. Yeah, well, <laughs> I'm pretty sure he's my new boss. So I better say some good things. So That's yeah. why they agreed before the podcast that he has to say this line for him to come onto the podcast. Well, That's exactly what's happening. <laughs> as the podcast goes, we got version 0.0.1 every way. Let's give the tag of I agree and we'll move on to the next one. We do. So Thanks thank you so much, Ivan. Thanks for making history with us, guys. <laughs> and then, yeah, see you next time on the Native of Wales Minimal Viable Podcast. Have a nice Christmas. <laughs>